Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we educate and inspire people to live fuller lives through mindful practices. Let's get started with your host, New York Times contributor, leadership advisor, sought-after keynote speaker, the author of the Amazon hot new release, Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World. She's smart, strong, sassy, and a trendsetter in the field of mindful leadership. Your host, Holly Duckworth. Hello and welcome to another amazing episode of the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we talk about living mindful principles on the good days and on the interesting days in your personal life and in your professional life. And today I am bringing to you a very magical guest, a very special friend. Uh, we were just just reminiscing. We have known each other for, for double digit years, but we're not getting any older. I am so excited to bring to the show uh, my brother from another mother, my dear friend, my confidant, Lowell Applebaum, who is the CEO, and I love this title, Lowell, Strategy Catalyst. Mm-hmm. Vista Kova, welcome to the show. Thank you. The magical introduction, I wish we would have brought my hat to pull a rabbit out of, but we'll see if we can do it with words today instead. Well, you said it, and we do have this really, really fun connection over, over the years, and we just don't get to be in the same city nearly enough. Uh, for listeners to the show, uh, Paul and I met a handful of years ago, I'm just going to call yeah. it Paul, um, leading, co-leading together a, a Council for the American Society of Association Executives. And if you're not familiar with the association world, this is like, like yeah. the Disneyland for associations, the Association for Association People. And um, we ran yep. a Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, within, within that story, so I'm going to pull you back oh. further because for all your listeners, you should know about Holly, who I'm pointing to on that side of my screen where we actually met before that was that we were on a weekly chat about associations. I made some comment about how to form community and connecting with members through video and introducing that as like a virtual platform. And Holly, hearing something interesting, called the random guy to say, what do you mean by that? And we actually had a separate one-on-one personal conversation, which is where we first met. And Holly's like, you should really apply for that council. And so the only reason I applied for the council which then got me on the council, which had us connect, which led to authorship and further service and certification commissioner and everything else was because of you. It was because you took the time to reach out and have a personal conversation uh, and give me an invitation for participation. Uh, and so I'm always grateful to you for that. Well, for that. it's so fun having this show because somehow guests always end up revealing something about me that I didn't know about me. I, and that's kind of the, the power of... Um, having a show like this and really leaning into, for me, mindfulness, but more than that, leaning into the authenticity of of who we we get to be in the world. And you've had a really great 
career journey that started in associations and has continued to evolve uh, with sometimes I, I joke my word is faith, trust, and pixie dust. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, where did your, your association journey begin and how did you come to become the chief strategy catalyst for your own company? Yeah. So for me, I've always had a heart for mission and vision. And so falling into the association world, as many do, uh, was natural and that I loved the idea that the work that we did had a greater impact than just what we produced. Uh, my association involvement really fell into science, engineering, and medical societies at first, uh, looking at the programmatic side. But I was always working with members and leaders and volunteers and components and strategy and learning and you know, getting your hands dirty in the place of value. Uh, and escalating association involvement to being a COO. Uh, and then when I was looking at that, like step, do I want to become an executive and a CEO? While I was looking at that, I started to work with organizations tapping into what I felt was really something that was core to my heart and a core strength I could bring to the table, uh, which although initially called the consultation, is really facilitation. Uh, I'm not interested in being a consultant coming in and telling anyone what to do, but really I embrace a heart of a facilitator of you know, deep empathetic listening, not attentive listening, empathetic listening. We try to understand the other party listening to many of them, helping them hear each other. Uh, and I love that because usually we bring these like thought leaders from an industry in to create visions who aren't thought leaders when it comes to like organizational management, but they have a heart that resonates with the mission and vision of the organization they're serving. And so if you can help them hear each other when it comes to like their true heart in terms of their dedication to the cause, to the organization and tap into their mind of their knowledge of the industry and the strata going across it and the, different audiences they have to serve and help blend that together. Like that is just such a beautiful process. Uh, and so, you know, for me, like strategy catalyst, the reason I like, I, I feel like that is a, a powerful term uh, is because others are bringing like the strategic vision and insight to the table. And hopefully my facilitation methodology and that of my company catalyzes those pieces to come together for a greater outcome. And put simply, when you find something you love to do that like speaks to your heart and speaks to like your place of joy that like both drains you of energy because it's tiring, but refills you with energy because it's what you're supposed to be doing. How could you not want to do that the rest of your life? Wow. There's so much to unpack in that. I love where you're going with this because you, you knowing you, your journey has evolved and changed yeah. and your heart and your voice has evolved and changed. And even, even from when you started your own company. So how did you go about this space of curiosity and discovery to go from a consultant business model mindset to yeah. facilitator mindset? Because those, those are close, but yet they're really very different. And this is a really cool skill that you bring to the marketplace. Uh, I would say initially it was an approach of coming at it, kicking and screaming. <laughs> Yay! Uh, Mindfulness! <laughs> I, you know, I was doing it so I could do an executive search, right? Uh, and I kept having people say, why don't you do this full time? Like, like you're, you're, you're good at this, especially the more I leaned into facilitation as opposed to consultation, like the more I leaned in as a facilitator, the, the more like people resonated back and reflected back saying, you should just be doing this. Now, I don't know if you see above my head there, I got three little munchkins of my own who are the center of my everything, right? And so the risk, of course, with doing something like this is that, look, if I eat less food, then I eat less food, but I can't have them eat less food, you know? 
uh, you know, and I've just been really lucky, blessed is the word that throughout my entire life, I've had a heart of someone of service. And because of that, because of volunteering for the sake of volunteering, I've built a very strong network uh, of peers and colleagues who both know me and trust in me. And so as I leaned in and thought about like what was making me happy, it wasn't the CEO search stuff. Like that was interesting, but what was making me happy was the facilitation. What was making me happy was like showing that by starting from a place of empathy and empath and emotional intelligence and bringing into any organization a, a culture of respect and listening and focusing on the positive, they were having these dynamic changing conversations that they kept reflecting time after time. I hear the word strategic planning and I hate it. It makes, like, it makes me want to throw up. Like came in the room and I loved that. Like that was, that was fun, that was meaningful, that was powerful. And you hear that from like so many different types of groups, like something's, you know, something's resonating. Uh, so that was like definitely part of the journey. Uh, and it has helped that the more you do it, like anything, uh, the more you talk about it, hopefully the more you refine your own language to be both exact uh, as well as open to new definitions. And so I know facilitation is my heart. I know that within that, there's a wide range of subjects uh, and interest areas I have. I think the, if I was gonna really have like the side business card, uh, the side business card I would have that like I aspire to be someday is the Digital Age Association Renaissance Man. Like, I Ooh, somebody's getting a call. How exciting is that? I don't think that's me. Well, if it's me, I have no idea how to. I thought I turned off all the buttons. I have no capability for calls on my computer. Oh, this is so cool, practicing mindfulness. Exactly. I have no idea where that's coming from because I don't have a little, little dinging window on my computer. Fun. Well, I just love technology. So you were yeah. saying, and speaking of technology, your title would be digital. So my, my, my fun title, right? If I was really playing, my fun title would be Digital Age Association Renaissance Man, right? Because there isn't just one thing I love. Like I, in the past two weeks, I have spoken and given sessions and associations on membership, volunteer experience, governance, best board practices, strategic planning and strategy outside the plan, meetings and trade shows, CEO roundtables. Like I don't want to do just one of those. Like I like all of those, you know? And so I think with a heart of facilitation, you're able to tap into various domains and knowledge areas. It's also what allows you to work with many different types of organizations, no matter the subject matter. So you've moved from a, a traditional work environment to being yeah. an entrepreneur CEO and coming with that new role is this whole idea of salesperson, systems, contracts, business ownership. Sometimes that can get in the way of mindful leaders, um, new relationship with money and work and contracting and all that. And, and I'm curious, I love your, your phrasing there, empathetic listening but we live in a world of 24 7 like i don't have to care like inundated audience fatigue the whole yeah. bit how are you selling empathetic listening as as a core benefit in your business yeah I, so the first thing is i never feel like i'm selling i uh, i think if i ever felt like i was selling that would be inauthentic to my business model you know that I care fiercely. I don't care a little. Like I only know how to care fiercely. Um, and if I'm going to work with an organization, 
then I want to know what's their win, what's going to actually help them like do what they do, which is making the world better. And then we'll come in and design the right methodology to get there. But like, I don't come in with the ego of this is how you have to do it. Right. Like it has to be customized to their culture and their capability and their history and their potential and circumstance. And so for me, selling, selling, uh, it's really about creating the space and time to listen and to have the client you're going to work with know that they're, they're heard uh, and that within there, like you care about their success and you're going to do what you can do to help them succeed. Uh, in terms of cutting through the clutter of noise that is our world today, you know, we, at least I, and my colleagues and my friends, you don't consume things based off of email. You know, like the last time I bought something was I saw an ad in a magazine. Like, I can't tell you, you know, where I was speaking to a, a good friend, uh, Brian Haney in the Haney company last week, great guy, smart guy. Uh, and he was talking about how he just read like uh, Tina Fey's book. Right. He's like, you know what? Like this book, like it was a quick read and I loved it. And what did I do? As he's talking, I'm pulling up my phone, Amazon, bossy pants, order, thank you. Right, three minutes later. When I tell you in my life, maybe I've seen 20 advertisements for that book, right? I love Tina Fey as an actress. This is, I don't think that she's not great, and like I've seen her everywhere. But what made my decision to engage from a fiscal perspective? That conversation. And so I think like the secret to at least my approach to business is that if you do good work, you build good network, you give good things, you're genuine and you're honest and like you want to contribute, the world will take care of you. Your network will take care of you. You take care of it, it will take care of you. For me, that's not about buying an advertisement. That's about contributing and giving. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I love that word. I care fiercely. I, I may have to borrow that for, for a, biz, a business card or a bumper sticker because I think that's one of the things that you and I uniquely bring to this world that we don't even know is our gift because we just do it so easily and effortlessly. And I do believe it's why people hire me to keynote programs all the world is to, to you know, I, 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 told my salesperson the other day, I just want to go hug people and speak and you do the rest. Cause that, that's, I mean, like if I could just hug on people and, and right. the rest of it would come into place, that would be awesome. Well, you have, you have a similar quality that I'll say I hear reflected about my own speaking as well, my own work. Uh, you know, when you speak and I've seen you do it, the audience you're speaking to, every person in that audience feels like you're talking to them. Not that you're talking to yourself, not you're talking to like the group, but like you are talking to them. Uh, and I, I don't know how you teach that, right? But I think that's an inherent quality in some people with high emotional intelligence and empathy uh, that it's a way that you connect. And it's always something that's impressed me about you. You're so kind. So it's fun to hear you talk about heart and heart in business and how you see heart showing up in business. Yeah. But we live in a world of bigger, better, faster, more numbers, data, charts, and graphs. Sure. Um, how are you helping people balance that head heart thing? And I know it's different in associations than corporate. I've got, you know, same Rolodex as you in terms of years and years in association. I've been working more in corporations. And I think our world is both deathly afraid and craving this heart thing so much. How do you navigate that? You know, I don't think it's an either or. And I will say it's like people like, how do you find work-life balance? Like there's no, 
there's no such thing. The implication there is like, I have work and I have life and they're on a scale. And that's, that's not reality. Like these are our lives nowadays. And so I think it's actually the same thing, Holly. I mean, I think that when you talk about whether it's a nonprofit association or a for-profit company, you're talking about trying to provide a service or a solution that's going to solve a problem for which you want compensation, but you want the ultimate end user to have an amazing dynamic experience that's positive about using the product, that they're also going to recommend it to others as well as come back and use it again. Like that as formula, like doesn't matter, profit, nonprofit, like that's, that's what we're talking about, right? And so within there means that you're designing the right solution, but you're also designing the right experience. And I think it's within that thought of experience that the customer mindset comes in of who am I designing this for? Who, like, who is going to use this in what way? What is the impact going to be on the end user that makes you, if you're good, step into their shoes? That makes you think about not just the moment of purchase, but the moment of use. That makes you think about not just the moment of purchase and the moment of use, but the moment where the use has finished and whether or not they're going to come back. And I think those, those are the moments that open the door to empathy. Those are the moments that open the door that it's not about like the money I can make on the product. It's about what impact this product is going to have. Now it's easier with an organization that has mission vision and that's what they're trying to advance as a cause. I'm not sure it's entirely disconnected from the for-profit world either. The hard part is connecting that to bottom line P&L, right? Is to say like paying extra attention to experience will actually in the long term give you higher return. Uh, and most boards want to see return now, 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 not tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Uh, and so can you have an investments-minded board that realizes in an age of change and disruption, we have to both be nimble in terms of what we can act on quickly, as well as invest in that which will benefit us down the road. Uh, and that's in people and experience and in caring and in community and connection. I got the privilege of following a senior executive from Bloomberg this week, who was the 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 first keynote, and I was the the, the second keynote. And um, bless the charts, bless the graphics, bless the numbers, all 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 of it. And she used similar words to what you did about volatility in a, in a marketplace and all that. And I. Um, just like you talk about, there's no head and no heart. It's kind of the both, you know, there's no work and, and no life there. There's both. There's a oneness piece yes. here. And, you know, in my private coaching practice, I, I have people that I'm um, saying, so, you know, you're going to be off work for a while. What does this cost your company? And, and it can be big money. So if we don't take care of the hearts and the heads of our people, we can't grow the profit. We can't grow the PL, We can't grow that. And for some companies that's revolutionary or, or a new thought. And, and for some it's, it's just been baked into their, to their core work. And I think associations get to be a powerful bridge to those conversations. So I think there's, there's both a nuance in what you're saying and a reality. The nuance is that especially business executives, but I think many people think that if you're going to pay attention to like heart, emotional intelligence and culture, it's going to be at the sacrifice of fiscal return. It's going to be at the sacrifice of efficiency. It's going to be at the sacrifice of being able to produce more. And I don't, I just don't think that's the case. Like I, I just strongly believe that like, like good work brings good return. And good work is not only about rigor of product, but about the whole experience around the community around it. So I think, I think there's a nuance there in, in terms of it. And I think it's the, uh, the reality of some generational shift as well. Uh, you know, I think this 
embracing a world where we can connect with anyone, anywhere, any moment for free both opens the door to possibility of what connection and community and conversation can be. And that is awesome and potential and terrifying as well. Because it means there's no excuse to not, to not communicate, to not connect. And I don't think that we have equipped ourselves well in our learning systems, our educational systems, or our business systems to set that as expectation or as path of expertise for people who may not naturally come by it. And that's a limitation when it comes to any sort of business. I, I so get that. That same gig, I do an activity, um, an intention setting activity, and I got the first one ever this week in a language that is not English. That's and, awesome. And it's, it's a beautiful place to do just exactly what you said there, recognize that we can have conversations is quickly as a you know, Facebook post, a Twitter post, a LinkedIn connection, a Zoom call, an activity from a stage where it honestly never crossed my mind once that there was somebody sitting in that audience that English wasn't their, their native language. And what a joy it was. This person did come up and speak to me after and, and all that. But um, with great opportunity comes great responsibility. And, and how do we connect the heads and the hearts to grow our world? Spider-Man would approve of that phrase. Uh, you know, the the other side of it is just from what you're talking about, like there's there's a greater opportunity than ever. But one of the reasons like I was excited to, besides you, one of the reasons I was excited to have this conversation was because of the word mindfulness. Because in a world where we have ubiquitous tools to connect, like so many different opportunities to create and to market and to talk to audiences everywhere, the places where we're gonna find inclusivity, the places we're going to find equity, the places we're going to find being welcome, the places we're going to find being part of community are the places that are designed with intent, with a mindfulness. If you have the intent to create a welcoming environment, there is the ability to do so. It isn't easy, right? It isn't that like you can just say it and then it is. But if you don't have it, it's because you're not putting in the effort. It's not because the tools don't exist. And that is a very different onus uh, when it comes to emotional intelligence that I think exists differently. So we're going to be right back after a short break. And when I come back from the break, I'm going to ask you what your definition of mindfulness is and maybe some tips on how you grow your, your mindfulness practice. So we'll be right back after a short break. The Everyday Mindfulness Show is brought to you by Leadership Solutions International. Are you hosting an upcoming conference or convention? Or looking for a speaker to provide inspiration and motivation? Would you like your audiences to know what you know as a listener of the Everyday Mindfulness Show? Check out Leadership Solutions International for more on mindful leadership keynote offerings, on-site mindfulness information centers, and trainings. You're listening to the Everyday Mindfulness Show with Lowell Applebaum, CEO and Strategy Catalyst at Vistacova. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. You are sharing such rich and insightful experiences. And we, we left with define mindfulness. Define mindfulness. So I'm, I will say that I'm afraid my definition is not singular. So I will, I will give, I'm, I'm afraid of multiple part definition, but I'll try to keep it short. Uh, for me, mindfulness has a few different aspects. 
mindfulness is introspective, right? It's do, do you have the ability to listen to yourself? Like go to your inner quiet and your inner peace to know like when something doesn't feel right and you get the spidey sense and to listen to that, to know like when your heart is pulling in two directions and where it's pulling to, to know when your logic is telling you this is the wrong decision. Uh, and to have a balance with that, with also finding joy, right? And making time for that. So I think mindfulness is listening to those inner voices uh, and those inner rationales and knowing where your strengths and, and weaknesses lie. So I think that's what. Two is I think mindfulness is an external as well. And that's a personal external. Uh, I think it's Peter Drucker, right? Are we listening to reply or listening to understand? I said earlier in our conversation about the difference between attentive and empathetic listening. For me, mindfulness is acknowledging when I'm coming to the table, having cleared my mind from the previous conversation, having not looking at my phone and not doing that, making eye-to-eye -eye contact, trying to hear what the other person is saying, even if I am violently opposed to their position, but trying to understand it. Do I have an open mind to try to understand opinions outside of my own, perspectives outside of my own that can enhance me? You know, I, I'm a creator by nature. I love to create new ideas and products and concepts. And one of the things I love about it is I go to like colleagues and friends and professional uh, compatriots and I say, tell me why I'm wrong. Like, I, I, yeah, tell me why you like it, but like, I wanna know like what the flaws are in this. I think mindfulness is being able to hear both sides of that, right? Where, where you rock and also where you need help. And the third part of mindfulness, if we're asking the definition is I think a global mindfulness. Uh, it's very easy to live in your echo chamber of you and your small group. Uh, and I think it takes intentionality and effort to look outside of it as well. And my, my, my oh my, does our, do our world need more of us to be more globally mindful? There are issues everywhere uh, that are affecting our brothers and sisters that we never met in places all over the world. You know, there's, there's nothing, nothing more precious to me than these three up here. And every day I think about what is it I can do to make the world that they're going to inherit better than the world that I have had. And I don't think I can make that kind of impact by just focusing on my small circle. Uh, and so I think mindfulness is thinking outside of yourself as well. So three part definition, a little verbose, sorry, uh, but that's what I got. No, that's what the show is about is how um, how can we use this word? And, and the cool thing about this word is there's not one agreed upon definition. I've got, you know, 100 episodes of the show and we've been we've been asking it in lots of different different ways to look at it. And while yours is really expansive, I think if I may be so bold as to say it, it still comes back to that energy of awareness awareness of self awareness of your community and then certainly that that global global community what a, what a rich definition and i'm grateful that you came on the show to share it yeah i'm happy to be on the show well you know we love to keep the shows about 20 to 30 minutes i know you yeah. and i can talk till christmas about this topic open to it i would love to invite you to come back maybe when those kids are back in school maybe this 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 spring or this fall we'll talk about uh, yeah. mindfulness and family because you are raising those three beautiful amazing kids with with faith and joy and enthusiasm and authenticity and we'd love to hear more about um a little bit little of that in a future show is that okay i would love to i uh, is never a problem to get me to talk about the munchkins by all means
Awesome. Well, we want to make sure that people know how to get a hold of Vistacova and your work. If they're interested in exploring empathetic listening and bringing in a facilitator who can connect to their board or, or other constituents in their organization and bring your sense of listening and heart, how would somebody get a hold of you? So the best ways are either email Lowell at Vistacova.com. Vistacova stands for Vision, Strategy, Community, and Value. It's Vistacova all together. Uh, so that's a good place. Uh, I love to professionally connect with people on LinkedIn. It's where I put a lot of my thought pieces and articles I publish there. And Vistacova.com. You can see some of my methodology there as well. Uh, and hopefully make some good new connections soon. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the show. Remember, mindful matters, and so do you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more mindfulness every day, visit everydaymindfulnessshow.com and download the three-day challenge and experience the ABCs of mindfulness. Mm-hmm.